0: I invite you to
1: turn with me this morning in the Word of God to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and in verse 18. With this week coming up on the Thanksgiving holiday, I hope that we will be reflective, reflective of the Lord's blessings throughout the totality of our life, particularly in the last 12 months. And I hope that you are even more thankful and have a desire to praise the Lord. Even more than you did before, for his blessings in our life. First Thessalonians chapter five and verse eighteen. In everything, give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Uh, we're going through the uh, <clears throat> a series on the on the will of God on the radio, and what is the will of God, and really trying to dig into that and. Provide hopefully some uh, useful scriptural guidance uh, to allow you to make decisions with spiritual wisdom for what God's providential will is for our life. Now, if you've listened to those, uh, we we discuss God's sovereign will, right? That God sovereignly does as He pleases. And there are some things that we have no control over. But then we have God's commanded will that's in God's will, uh, that's in God's word. And then within the framework of God's commanded will, uh, now our our real challenge is to discern God's providential will, which is the unique pathway that's unique to me. But a lot of times people say, you know, what's God's will for my life? Uh, and what, what we are really getting at which we've been trying to address on the radio uh, is we're we're saying what's god's providential will for my life what's the unique providential pathway that god's going to guide me on uh, but that providential pathway is within the framework of god's commanded will in the word of god so in a very simple sense right we have to have a lot of wisdom to discern what God's providential will is for my life do I make this decision or do I not make this decision you know uh, marry this person take this job etc etc that we're going through on the radio but in a very general sense when people say what is the will of God Um, scripture describes what the will of God is the will of God is for you to do good works for you to live a sanctified life and one of the verses that clearly expresses what god's will is for you is right here what's god's will for your life well uh he is not necessarily uh this verse doesn't address which job you take right uh but what's god's will for your life to give thanks in everything okay give thanks in everything and there's other verses that present a similar framework that we make decisions through. So regardless of what individual path our lives take, it's all viewed through this kind of a lens, and God's people are supposed to be thankful people, right, in everything, because that's God's will for our life. Let's back up a couple verses here. Uh, where we find this here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. The Apostle Paul is closing out this, this letter to the church at Thessalonica, and he's giving some very quick <clears throat> Simple, some of the shortest verses in the whole Bible. These quick admonitions um, that he's leaving them with as parting thoughts as he's about to conclude this epistle. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 16. Rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. In everything give Thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Which, by the way, I don't necessarily think when it says the will of God, uh, this is the will of God, I don't uh, that applies to the beginning of that verse, certainly. But I think we could easily say that verse 16 and 17 is certainly God's will for our life too, right? Rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing and give thanks. You see, all three of those are certainly God's will for his people. <clears throat> and then also quench not the spirit. Despise not prophesyings, prove all things, hold fast that which is good, and abstain from all appearance of evil. Now, notice the connection here, the linkage, if you will, um, between verses 16, 17, and 18. The connection between joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. Okay? Joy, prayer, and thanksgiving. Now, it says, in everything give thanks. Now, it's obvious that we don't give thanks for everything, right? We do not give thanks for all the wickedness of this world, for wars, for sin, for the devil, for temptation. We don't give thanks for everything, right? God's not secretly working behind the scenes with everything that's happening, working together for your good. So we don't need to give thanks when bad things happen, but in the midst of that, though, in the midst of that, even when those difficult circumstances come, the loss of loved ones, the loss of health, or even the fear of the loss of health, um, unemployment, uh, even maybe not to the level of unemployment, but just a strain in the workplace. I mean, insert whatever your problem is, right? <laughs> In this world, we shall have tribulation. John chapter 16 and verse 33. But don't get concerned, right? In this world, you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. That's talking about joy, right? Why should we have joy? Why? Because I have overcome the world, right? So Jesus set the expectation. Then in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But in the midst of that tribulation, what should you have? Joy. Joy. Now, Happiness. Happiness is very circumstantial, okay? You know, you're, you're not commanded to just put on a face and pretend to be happy all the time, okay? There, there is many times to be sad, to have grief. There's plenty of days I'm not happy. But you know what? Happiness and joy are two separate things. Even if I'm not happy, even if I'm not happy today, I can still be joyful. So notice here, it says rejoice evermore. So I may not be happy today, but you know what? I can still have joy today. You know, I may be in the midst of a very difficult circumstance that I sure enough ain't going to thank the Lord uh, for, you know, cancer is the exact opposite of God's will, isn't it? It is literally an a abnormality of the cells of the way that God ordained it, right? So I'm not going to thank God for all these things, but you know what? When I receive bad news, when, when I'm going through a valley and I'm going through difficult trials. Even in the midst of that, I can still give thanks. Because we have to understand the real basis of why we give thanks. Okay. We don't give thanks just because everything is going my way and I'm receiving all of these positive providential blessings during this season of life. Because we go through different seasons and sometimes uh, it's not always harvest time. Right. I mean, hardest time's happy uh, when, you, when you pray for something and for many years and especially when you put a lot of hard work behind it. And then when that finally comes to fruition and the hard work pays off along with the answer to prayer, well, those are some happy days to thank the Lord for that, right? But that does not mean that we have the permission of the Lord to be unthankful just because I'm going through a difficult time. And, and I want to connect this with joy because I think possibly it's easier for us to understand, at least for me maybe, uh, through the lens of joy. Because I think we can understand that, you know what, I can be at a funeral, and I've been at plenty of them, where I'm not happy. I mean, I'm, I'm sad. I, I have grief. But you know what, I can have joy unspeakable and full of glory, even though I'm not happy today <laughs> in a selfish sense. Now, obviously, we always want to look toward the hope of the resurrection, and, and we know they're in heaven, Hopefully. And uh, you probably won't have much hope if you if they've lived a pretty sorry life where it makes you wonder a little bit, right? But if they've lived a good godly testimony life, you know, we can confidently say to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. And you know what? There may be a day where I'm not happy, but boy, I can have joy at that funeral, right? Why? Because my joy is not based on my sadness for not having the physical presence of that person that I love going forward, Right? My joy is in something other than the comfort and the ease of my immediate circumstance, okay? So, joy and happiness are two separate things, okay? Now, they're they're linked and they're connected to a degree. The more joyful you are, you're probably going to be happier, right? But you can still be joyful even when you're sad. You can still be joyful even when you're in the midst of grief and many other challenges, that go along with that. So it says rejoice evermore, and we have kind of some similar admonitions. I'm going to be kind of all over the place uh, because we want to hit a lot of verses for you um, this morning. Um, So feel free to try to keep up with me or just listen or take notes, whatever works for you. Um, Philippians chapter 4 and in verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. (laughs) And then obviously we're waiting on the exception for that, right? Uh, So instead of giving the exception, rejoice in the Lord always, and then the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul reaffirms. And again, I say rejoice, right? There's no loopholes to that. There's no uh, conditions where I should not have a disposition of joy that is a fruit of the Spirit that's exhibiting externally in my life, but also joy toward Almighty God, right? Rejoice in the Lord always, and there's not an exception to that. Again, I say rejoice. Then in verse six, be careful for nothing. Don't be overly concerned with the cares and the anxiety of this world. Don't don't be overly concerned about tomorrow. He addresses that in Matthew chapter six. Take no thought for tomorrow. Well there's plenty of problems today, right? (laughs) Uh, Obviously that's my paraphrase version. Be careful for nothing. But in everything, and notice the connection, again, between joy, thanksgiving, and prayer, okay? Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God, okay? Uh, Now, hopefully we will have enough time to address this later on, but what's the primary ways that we express thanksgiving? Well, one of the primary ways is through prayer, right? Another primary way is through singing with the fruit of our lips. Now, the fruit of your lips can be a verbal prayer. The fruit of your lips can be singing a song to God. The fruit of your lips, if you really want to give thanks to God, go encourage someone else as a testimony telling them of how good God has been to you. And that is a tremendous Fruit of your lips of thanksgiving that will be honoring to the Lord. But notice one of the primary ways that we give thanks is in, is in what? In prayer, right? In prayer. <clears throat> and one of the way, main ways that we exhibit joy is actually through prayer too, right? <clears throat> be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known unto God. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 2. I exhort, therefore, this is verse 1, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And then he continues on, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, uh, This kind of puts the rubber to the road of of giving thanks in everything, right? Do we give thanks for ungodly leaders? Well, no, we don't. But you really need to thank God for the institution of government that he set up that, for the most part, protects you and keeps you safe from the wicked total depravity of man, right? Now, even if there's a leader that's in a position of authority that I don't, I don't, support their views at this time, I need to pray for them, pray for the Lord to guide them. And I don't give thanks for the ungodly, uh, probably unscriptural um, stances of that person. But I I can still say, Lord, thank you so much for giving us the government that does not bear the sword in vain to protect us from, because the Lord knows better than any of us just how Wicked the unchecked total depravity of man is, and you want to know his one of his primary protections of his people to protect us from the unchecked total depravity of man? It's government, it's the structure of law and order that government does not bear the sword in vain. Okay, but notice this (laughs) this is a really sanctifying experience, isn't it? When you know you're told to love your enemies. And you're also told, by the way, to pray for your enemies. To pray for your enemies. I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. (laughs) You know, it's kind of hard for me to wrap my head around some people. How can I really give thanks for them in prayer, right? Uh, That's a tough one. That's a tough one. But that's the standard. That's the standard that we are called to. But notice again, the connection between prayer and giving of thanks and joy as well. Um, One of the most important things that we understand is the basis and the reasons why God's people are called to be a joyful people and to be a thankful people are not primarily dictated by the happiness or the ease of our current circumstances, okay? Because it could be very easy that when you're on the mountaintop and great things happen, absolutely, I'm going to thank the Lord for that. But then when things start going your way, I mean, you start not going your way and you have um, difficult circumstances, you have medical problems, Uh, Or medical problems with loved ones or loss of a loved one or unemployment issues or even you're still employed, but major issues in the world, whatever it ends up being, okay? Um, Our sinful natures are going to gravitate to self-justification to think that we have a right to murmur and complain because things are not as comfortable and easy as we would like it to be, Right? That's our nature, is that we want to, and I feel like I've seen this so much, uh, the, the farther down the trajectory we get toward the Lord's second coming, and it seems like the general disposition of Christianity gets more and more lukewarm. You know, people really want to brag on the Lord when things are going great, but boy, they, they don't have a lot of reverence. They don't have a problem talking against the Lord when things are going wrong. And that is just patently unscriptural, okay? We have no right, we have no authority to say anything negative of the Lord when any negative circumstance happens in our life because we don't deserve anything, okay? Now, even the breath I receive on a daily basis is an unmerited favor and a grace of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. Everything I have is really an expression of God's unmerited favor in my life. And it's for that reason, <clears throat> one of the characteristics of the fallen world apart from God here in Romans chapter one, as it describes the consistent pattern um, and, and We don't want to focus on that on this this morning, but if you look at this cycle, uh, we've talked about that in uh, various times recently about the constant cycle of uh, sin and mistakes that God's people make. Well, if you follow pretty much every, the decline of just about every nation, of every culture, it follows, not surprisingly, because it's the Holy Spirit that's telling us exactly the way things go. Every culture, as they decline morally and they decline religiously, follows the exact same pattern that we have here in Romans chapter 1, okay? And it, it all begins with them elevating the creature above the creator, okay? There's much much to be said here, okay? But we want to jump in here in Romans chapter 1. And again, constant pattern, constant cycle, and it, it doesn't matter what culture you, you find they follow this exact same pattern when they end up in total debauchery and sin. And, and uh, one of the, end, the, the last stages of that is always sodomy and homosexuality, by the way. So just to kind of give you a little litmus test of where America's at, right? Right at the very end of the slope is always the open acceptance of that. But where does it start from? You know, remember we talked about obviously the most prominent of those is Sodom, right? But we we've mentioned before you uh, for you recently uh, what was the what was the beginning of the slippery slope for Sodom? It was pride. It was fullness of bread. It was abundance of idleness. And when you think you've got everything that you need, are you going to be very thankful for that? We, we, again, we talked about layout of sea, lukewarm layout of sins. Did did. Their assessment of themselves sound very thankful when they said, "We are increased with goods, rich and increased with goods, and we have need of nothing." <laughs> does that sound like a very humble, uh, thankful, gracious attitude toward the Lord? Thankful, thank you for everything you've given us." They said, "No, we're good, Lord, we don't need you. Um, and we don't have anything to be thankful for because look at everything we have accomplished." Now, where does that start from? Start from pride, pride. And when that grows, What inevitably happens? We become unthankful. Unthankful. Romans chapter 1 and verse 21. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Again, a form of godliness that we've talked about recently. They glorified him not as God. And then when you diminish that reverential holiness and glory of God, and you start thinking that you deserve more than you receive, what does that, what does that lead to? Neither were thankful. They weren't thankful. And then, we're not gonna take the time to read for you uh, as it just continues through the rest of the chapter Of it continues to escalate, or really de-escalate. It continues to just go down and down and down and down into the depth of sin that, again, is the consistent pattern for all cultures that try to establish their own righteousness instead of submitting to Jehovah God and Jesus Christ, right? But notice, what is one of the beginnings of that slippery slope? Being unthankful. Unthankful. So, what do we give thanks for then? It, uh, we cannot develop an attitude of conditional thanksgiving, okay? That when God blesses me, I'm going to praise him. But you know what? I have a right to murmur. I have a right to complain when some difficult circumstance happens in my life. Absolutely not. God forbid to use New Testament language, okay? And if we have the correct understanding of what we're thankful for, then that should take care of itself. Because the main reasons why we, Our call to be thankful have nothing to do with us or with our present circumstance, okay? That makes it a whole lot easier to give thanks because the reason we give thanks is not because God's heaping tons of providential blessings on my life. At this season of life, you know what? You may be in the midst of a trial, and you know what? You really should give thanks for God giving you that trial, by the way. That's real Christian maturity when you can look, as we're told in Romans chapter five, to rejoice in the midst of tribulations, why? Because you can see the end result of tribulations, that tribulations build patience, and then patience experience, and then experience hope. And it takes a lot of Christian maturity to look past the immediate discomfort and look forward toward that hope, right? And in the midst of those tribulations, we should undertake that with joy. And again, joy is always connected with thanksgiving. We approach that. We we don't thank the Lord for that thorn in the the flesh was the messenger of Satan, by the way. Let's make sure we, when we talk about the thorn in the flesh, let's make sure that we attribute that to the right place. God didn't create that thorn. That was the messenger of Satan to buffet him. But you know what? The Lord said... I'm going to leave it here. I'm going to leave it here for a purpose, for the purpose of sanctification, and so that the Apostle Paul would not be exalted above measure, and that he would be continually reminded that my grace is sufficient for you, and it's in the midst of your weakness that Christ's strength can be manifest through you, right? So, if you're in the midst of the pain of that (laughs) thorn— the Apostle Paul was still able to see joy in the midst of that because the Lord is using that to sanctify me, to keep me humble, and that his greatest strength can be exhibited in my life in the midst of my weakness, not in my, the midst of my supposed strength and self-sufficiency. Okay? So, with that being said, does anyone enjoy the pain of a thorn? I sure don't. <laughs> and I know you don't either. But we can still give thanks in the midst of that. Now, don't give thanks for the thorn. That thorn is the messenger of Satan that's there to buffet you, okay? But God's suffering it for your sanctification, okay? Okay, so what? What do we give thanks for? What do we give thanks for? Well, first of all, just for God being such a good God to us, okay? Let's go to uh, Psalm Psalm 106. Psalm 106 and verse one, praise you the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. Why? Why should we praise the Lord? Why should we give thanks to him? For he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. You know, that, that that's a true statement, but it's it almost seems too general to really amplify the glory of God in the way that it should, right? But God is good. God is good. And we always have to approach every circumstance in our life, with reminding ourselves of the things that we know are true, right? That God cannot lie, that he cannot change, that he loves us more than we could ever fathom, and that God is good. God is good. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit, isn't it? Which is, again, kind of general. We, you know, I could have a mental picture of, of temperance and a mental picture of long-suffering, but one of the fruit of the Spirit is just goodness, Goodness. Why? Because God is good. That's one of the attributes of God. God is good. And I'll tell you, God is good even when He suffers the pain of the form. Okay? God is good even when a loved one passes away. God is good even when we have a concerning medical either concern or even a diagnosis. God is good in the midst of whatever circumstance we're encountering in our life. And furthermore, his mercy endures forever. Aren't you glad his mercy doesn't run out, right? His mercy endures forever. So what do we give thanks for? Because God is good. God and his goodness and his mercy enduring forever, those things don't change, do they? And if they don't change, then why should my, circumstance, my current circumstances affect my giving thanks for God's goodness and his mercy that doesn't change, you see? What's the basis of my thanksgiving? God is just such a good God to us. And really, that's, that's, everything we're going to describe right here is really just an exposition of that one true fact, is that God is so good to his people. He's so good to us. And one exposition of that is that his mercy endures forever. We should give thanks for God's holiness. Psalm 97. Psalm 97 and verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord. Again, joy, praise, thanksgiving. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holiness. Now, Because God is holy is the reason why Jesus Christ had to come into this world to die for our sins, right? He couldn't sweep it under the rug. He couldn't just have a wink and a nod and say, well, let him in. Jesus Christ had to pay the full penalty of the law of God. Why? Because God is holy and he's a God of his word and he does not change. And then also, if you happen to be encountering something where... Wicked people are persecuting you or maligning you, whatever that circumstance ends up being. You know, I think it's a biblical approach. We don't relish in this because we understand we deserve it too. But many of those psalms are, are called imprecatory psalms. And David is saying, through the Holy Spirit. You know, he's not just bitter, <laughs> He's not just bitter and mad. He's saying through the Holy Spirit, Lord, break out their teeth. Lord, destroy them. Lord, judge them. Because you know what? Every wrong's not going to be righted in my life, right? You know, there's, I, we hope the Holy Spirit will work on people to come when they've made a mistake and come and, and fall down on our feet and say, Lord, please forgive me. Because I did. But I'll tell you, you live long enough, you're going to realize people who truly, genuinely repent is a blessing from the Lord, okay? Because that is the abnormality. That is not the norm, okay? So when you are having to deal with those circumstances, what do you take, what do you take comfort in when people are treating you unfairly? And you know what? There's a, there's a very real sense in which those, peop- those people may never get. Um, Oh, I really have to mortify some political thoughts I'm having right now. Uh, so some some people that seem to skirt, uh, and, and they continue to skirt. Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, da da da. <laughs> uh, how is it possible for them to continue to not fully reap what they have sown? How's it possible? How's it po- And you you insert many different circumstances. What do you take comfort in? Let me tell you, there's going to come a day where every single wrong will be righted at the judgment seat of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? If they happen to be a child of God, he paid for it on the cross. But if if they are not, God's holiness will exact judgment upon the wicked at the last day. Okay? Now, we need to be thankful that God's holy, that he does not change. Because that's one of the reasons that we can have confidence in our eternal security too, right? So I hope you don't view the holiness of God as a we fear the Lord, but it's not a terror. It's not, it's not a, a, a fearful, terror, terrifying thing. No, it's something that the Holy Spirit says we should be thankful for. We should be thankful for the holiness of God because it's through His holiness and the penalty, paying the penalty of our sin that we have been redeemed from all unrighteousness. Okay, um, we'll come back to, well, we're here in the Psalms. We're here in the Psalms. Um, Psalm 100, Psalm 100, verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Okay, uh, where, where, now we're talking about what is the basis for our thanksgiving. We wanna talk a little bit, if we have time, about, about the how. How do we give thanks? But where, where do we give thanksgiving? Now, obviously, uh, we always in our prayer life, um, we've talked about this before in the model prayer. You don't just say, dear Heavenly Father, and then immediately start listing off all the problems I perceive I have that day. Lord, these are all the things I need you to fix. And you don't just say, Lord, this is everything I need. Amen. Right? No, you come before the Lord's. Presence with worship, hallowed be Thy name, and right, th- right up there at the beginning. To make sure we orient our prayers right, right up there at the beginning, before we even make our way to petitions, we should offer thanksgiving in prayer. And by the way, that's going to really help when you get around to the petitions part, right? Because if you start out by saying, "Thank you, God, for being such a good God." Thank you so much, God, for your mercy, enduring. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your holiness. um, Thank you for your church. Thank you for your... Thank you so much for you just being a great God, right? That's going to put you in the right frame of mind to then later on present your petitions before the Lord in the right way, right? So... We can absolutely give thanks unto God in prayer. We give thanks unto God in our, in our private closet. And if you happen to be called on to pray in the public way, you could have the ability to do that. But what is, the, what is the primary way? What is the primary location that we give thanks to God? It's in the midst of worship. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name, his courts and his gates. It is in the house of God, in the assembly of And that's why it's such a big deal to forsake the assembly of that. Because yes, you can you can be thankful in a sense out by yourself, but I'll tell you, God has commanded for us to give thanks in the midst of the congregation, in the midst of the church, in the midst of the people, okay? Enter into his gates with Thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. You have to enter into those things. Now, why? For the Lord is good. And again, we're we're giving you a small sample size. You can you can study this all out on your own. I'm so thankful that uh, word searches are so easy now with my Bible app. Mm-hmm. Just type the word thanks mm-hmm. right in the Bible. And you can find so much more than this small sampling that we're focusing on today, okay? But these are, these are so consistent. Why? Because this is the consistent character of God. For the Lord is good, for his mercy is everlasting. And notice this, his truth endureth to all generations. Boy, aren't you thankful for the word of God? Aren't you thankful for the word of God? Aren't you thankful that you're not just wandering around and floating uh, like Job in the midst of his trial. By the way, I meant to mention Job earlier, right? We do not have a right when things go wrong for us to shake our fist at the Lord. What was his response when everything, when, by the way, did he give thanks for Satan destroying his children, destroying his business holdings, destroying his reputation, him losing it? He didn't give thanks for all that, but you don't know what he said? The Lord gave the Lord took away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Naked came out of this world. Naked, I'm returning. i just showed up with nothing. I'm leaving with nothing. And how did he respond to that? He still praised and worshiped and gave thanks to God in the most horrible, natural circumstances that anyone has ever endured. Now, thankfully, we know the end of the story too, right? I, I tend to think he gave double thanks at the end of it, okay? But... When those circumstances came in his life, he didn't shake his hand at God and said, "Lord, I knew that you were up to something. I knew that you were going to pull the rug out from under me." He said, "God, you are still good. You're still good. Blessed be the name of the Lord." But Job, we heard about that a little last weekend. Job did not have any degree, or what should be, the same hope and joy that we have, right? Because he's saying, I know so of the truth. But how can a man be just with God? I, I, I believe I'm going to see my Redeemer, but how am I going to? He, he had so little knowledge, right? Why? Because he did not have the divinely inspired and preserved Word of God. Okay? And we got it. God was so, the the Psalms calls this the thoughts of his heart that he established or that he gave to all generations. These are the thoughts of God's heart, okay? And God was so gracious to give it to us, to preserve it for us, and there are so many children of God that have not had the blessing of the full canon of Scripture, and it's never going to change either. His truth endureth to all generations, and we should thank the Lord every single day for him inspiring this word. You've heard preachers say it uh, very often, but it's true. If God never inspired his word, it would would have no bearing on the Lamb's book of life and the elect and who would be in heaven. If he never called men to preach, it would have no bearing on how many people would be in heaven because that's solely based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. But God is so good to us, right? God's so good to his people, he gave us this word to encourage us, to strengthen us. And so that we can't have wisdom to make good, godly decisions. And not, God doesn't intend for us to be walking around blind, right? And just stumbling around. He gave us his word. So we need to always thank God for his word. Um, and then also, along those same lines, Psalm 119 and verse uh, 62. Uh, At midnight, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. You know, if you read Psalm 119, it's all about the word of God. It's all about extolling the word of God. And, you know, I can, I can absolutely say thank, thank God for many of the Psalms. Thank God for the book of Ephesians. Thank God for the Gospels. Thank God for the book of Romans. But you know, I don't always say thank you so much, God, for Leviticus and all the genealogies. Right? He is saying thank you for your law. (laughs) Boy, isn't it so much more exciting for us to thank the Lord when we read the book of Ephesians that God chose you before the foundation of the world. Right? He sent his son to die for you. But... These people, well, you want to talk about just being happy with the little crumbs you got. These people were so happy from the book of Leviticus that they woke up in the middle of the night and said, Lord, thank you so much for this law that you gave us, right? If they were so excited to wake up in the middle of the night and say, Thank you, Jesus, for the book of Leviticus. Boy, how much more should we be thanking the Lord for his word, right? Okay. All right. We really need to move on here. Um, Jesus gave thanks uh, let's, go to, let's go to Matthew chapter 11 Matthew chapter 11 we always want to give thanks for the same thing that God gives thanks for right and he uh, lifts up his, his eyes to heaven Matthew chapter 11 and verse 25 I thank thee O Father Lord of heaven and earth because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent hath revealed them unto me but there's a lot of people who want to shake their fist at God for the truth of immediate Holy Spirit regeneration and him choosing to reveal something to other people and not reveal it to other people you want to know how Jesus viewed that? He said, I thank thee, O Father. You know, And if Jesus was thankful for the revealing power of the Holy Spirit to some people and then to conceal it from other people, then we should be thankful for the same things that Jesus is thankful for, right? Now, why'd he do all that? Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. You see? Why'd God see, see fit to reveal himself to some people and then to leave other people in the state that they were in because God's sovereign, because he chose to do so. Okay, Um, 1 Corinthians 15, the resurrection, the resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15. We just gotta jump in here, verse 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Boy, don't aren't we thankful for the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the hope of the resurrection, amen? Mm-hmm. We don't have time to spend all the rest of the time here in 1 Corinthians 15 like I'd like to, but when he comes, and then also leading up here in the context, he's talking about the second coming of the Lord. Aren't you... Uh, aren't you glad that we can give thanks for the truth, the knowledge of the second? You know, Job had, had with the law that was written in his heart, he didn't have a lot of knowledge in his head, but he had a law written in his heart that, he was, that his Redeemer was going to come and he was going to see him with his own, own two eyes. But he did not have 1 Corinthians 15 that told us about it, okay? And the knowledge of the resurrection, that's the reason that we don't sorrow as others that have no hope. That's the reason that we can have joy in the midst of great sorrow and tragedy in the loss of people, especially in an unexpected way. Thanks be to God which giveth us the victory, both the resurrection and the hope of the second coming and the uh, the resurrection of the dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. And he's not even really talking about any doctrinal points right here. I think that... Uh, he just felt led to here in, in this verse, just thank the Lord for saving him from his sins. For the Apostle Paul writing here, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15. And again, no real build-up. He's not talking about election. He's not talking about redemption. He's not talking about reconciliation, all these things. He just simply says, Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. You know, I love the song when his body was broken for me. One of the lines in there is, oh, love beyond human expression. Well, that's about as perfectly as you can express it, right? It's it's a love beyond human expression. It is a unspeakable gift. You see, I, I can't even, that's why being a preacher is so difficult. I can't properly articulate this gospel that I'm called to preach. I want to do the best I can, but this gift that we've been given in Jesus Christ is unspeakable. And by the way, do you recognize that word? We should rejoice with joy, unspeakable and full of glory. What's the main basis of that joy? (laughs) The unspeakable gift that we've been given, right? And that does not change. Eternal security does not change at all. So therefore, it doesn't matter what circumstance we're in. We can still rejoice in the unspeakable gift, with joy unspeakable and full of glory, because it doesn't matter what circumstances are having in my life, okay? Now, that doesn't mean, again, that you just put on a happy face and pretend like everything's okay. You can, you can be as joyful as anybody in the room and be weeping, <laughs> weeping your eyes out. By the way, if you are weeping, always remember Jesus Christ keeps all of our tears in a bottle. <laughs> and one of these days, I know, I know we... Uh, when Brother David, my father-in-law, passed away unexpectedly. uh, We we recited that verse a lot (laughs) when we were crying because God keeps every single one of those tears in the bottle. And you know what? Because of Jesus Christ, one of these days, that bottle's going to be totally eviscerated. (laughs) He knows every single tear you've ever cried. Okay, for his church, for his church, you know, just about every epistle, you could just pick one. He begins writing, and he says, I just thank God upon every remembrance of you. I thank God for your faithfulness. I thank God for your love and your work of faith and your labor of love and your patience. I thank God for the blessings of friendships in the church and the blessings of friendships in the kingdom. You know, he starts out the apostle Paul starts out almost every epistle saying, I thank God for you, and then at the end of it he always says, And make sure you say hi to so and so and make sure to tell so and so I love them. And make sure, you know. Why? Because he loved the church and he loved the people of God that encouraged him. And we need to thank God for that. And obviously we need to give thanks for God's daily provision too, right? You know, I know um I well I I guess I just have to be honest, you know. I know, and I thankfully I have an accountability partner, Sister Bethany, that before we eat, we get we need to say a prayer. But you know what? It becomes a vain repetition very easily. Mm-hmm. Lord, thank you for, thank you, thank you for this food. Please bless it uh, and us according to your will. Amen. And it can become a vain repetition very easily. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean I'm unthankful. I'm just I'm just hungry I'm ready to get to eating. Right, but I didn't mean I'm unthankful. But you know what? We need to think about that because you know, just in, just whenever I start taking that for granted, I'm thankful that brother Douglas from Kenya is usually sending me something on WhatsApp talking about how much they're struggling. And I always thankfully have that to calibrate me, but everything we receive, everything we receive of not just food and drink, but daily provision, we should give thanks to God for that. Okay. Okay. Now, uh, how do we give thanks? How do we give thanks? Prayer, obviously, um, in our secret closet of prayer and through Hebrews 13 and verse 15 describes the fruit of our lips. Now, the fruit of our lips is expressed in a lot of different ways, right? It can certainly be expressed in prayer. We don't have to verbalize every prayer. But if you do verbalize it, um, then that, that is very honorary to God, right? Right. Um, the fruit of our lips, but one of the best ways that we can sing, uh, express thanksgiving to God is through song, right? And and it, boy, it's, it's fun to sing for 20, 25, 30 minutes in church, but I hope that you have a song on your heart on a daily basis that is exhibiting thanksgiving to God for everything in your life, okay? Um, and, and isn't that connecting it back to joy. Um, the people that you would consider to be joyful, what do they look like to you? Do, do they have um, a deadpan face that looks like they're working a morgue? Or do they smile? Do they, do they sing? Do they whistle while they work? Do they, do they sing while they're doing all these different things? I will tell you the people that I consider to be the most joyful typically are singing to themselves. That's a great exposition uh, and characteristic of joy. And if you're only singing in public worship, you need to be singing more, (laughs) okay? Why? Because it's one of our greatest opportunities to offer the fruit of our lips in praise to God. And we need to do it in public worship. But if we're only doing it in public worship, we're not doing it enough, okay? Um, and then we, we've, uh, let's go to Psalm 116 to go ahead and conclude. Um, the location, the location of Thanksgiving. Um, obviously, the secret closet of prayer. Um, and we hope that we can offer the uh, the fruit of our lips Um to others in testimony that if someone is struggling I have the ability to offer thanks to God by encouraging someone with God's and a reminder maybe they're struggling it seems like so many people struggle with the same question why do bad things happen to good people right you always have to address that question with these bedrock truths God is good God is good. And when people start struggling, why is all these bad things happening to me? You need to minister to people around you as you have opportunity and as the Lord opened doors. And, it, and, it, and the conversation should always start with, first of all, God is good. God is good. And you need to interpret everything that's happening in your life with the bedrock truth that will never change, that God is good and His mercy endures forever. Okay? Where do we express thanksgiving. Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? You know, that's why we need to count our blessings, right? We We need to actively think about that because it's hard to be thankful if we don't think we have anything to be thankful for, right? What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefit? Man, God's given me so much, right? What could I possibly offer back to him? You don't know what he wants? Thanksgiving, praise, glory What shall I render? I will take the cup of salvation. I will call upon the name of the Lord. You can do that in prayer, you can do that in song. I will pay my vows. Where are you going to pay your vows at? Under the Lord now in the presence of all the people, right? I'm going to come to church. And I'm going to be fully engaged when I'm there. And I'm going to sing with the spirit. And I'm going to sing with understanding. And and that, that act of thanksgiving and worship does not end when we have the last prayer either. There's someone for you to go talk to and someone to go minister to, okay? I will pay my vows unto the Lord now in the presence of all the people. And in the middle of all this, precious in the, in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. Amen, right? Verse 17, I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving. We talk about our body being a living sacrifice. What is one of the sacrifices you offer back to God? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, the sacrifice of thanksgiving, and will call upon the name of the Lord. I will pay my vows. It's almost like he wanted us to get this point since he keeps repeating it, right? I will now pay my vows in the presence of all his people in the courts of the Lord's house in the midst of thee, O Jerusalem. Praise ye the Lord, okay? So I would encourage you to take an inventory take an inventory of the Lord's blessings in your life. And I pray that if you, if you at the end of that inventory, if you feel like that you've been shortchanged, short or if you feel like that the Lord has not blessed you abundantly, then I pray for the Holy Spirit to give you clarity. Okay? Because, you know, you may be in a difficult season of life. may even be a long season. But these bedrock Truths of why we're really called to be thankful do not change. God is good. His mercy endures forever. His holiness, His word, His church, the fellowship of the saints, His daily provision that He promised us, and those do not fluctuate based on the comfort and the ease of my current circumstances, right? That's how we give thanks in. midst of every circumstance we sure don't give thanks for everything right but we give thanks in the midst of everything and that is God's will for you and Jesus said my meat my daily sustenance is to carry out God's will my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and boy that's that's a very simple thing that we can do isn't it to exhibit the Lord's will in our life let us be thankful let us be thankful ultimately for god's goodness but his unspeakable gift right he sent his son to die for your sins and there's nothing about life or death or angels or principalities nor any other there's nothing that happens in this life that can ever change the certainty of that unspeakable gift that should be the main reason that we should rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory let's give thanks unto our lord
0: We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.